You are listening to the Kensington Church Podcast, recorded live in Michigan. To learn more about Kensington, visit kensingtonchurch.org. Welcome to Kensington Church. We're so glad you're here with us today, whether in person or watching us online. I'm Sarah Rands, and I'm the Associate Student Ministries Director at Troy Campus. I've been on staff for six months now, so if we haven't met yet, please come introduce yourself. I'd love to get to know you. I'm so glad you're here with us today as we wrap up this incredible series called The Power of a Story. But before we get into the next profound story that Jesus told, let me invite you to a few upcoming events. First, listen up, middle school students, you and your friends are invited to join us for an annual all-nighter event called Takeover on March 5th until the wee hours of the morning on March 6th. Middle school students from all our Southeast campuses are coming together for a special service followed by a full night of fun. So if you're in 6th, 7th, or 8th grade, please sign up today. You don't want to miss the trampoline park, arcade, bowling, go-karts, laser tag, and so much more. Details and registration at kensingtonchurch.org takeover or on the Kensington Church app. Second is an invitation for the women of our community. Have you heard of the If Gathering? This is an incredible event watched by over a million women across hundreds of countries. It is a two-day simulcast on March 4th and 5th with lots of ways to participate in the conversation, teachings, and worship. Here at Kensington, we're offering a hybrid experience. Stream from home on Friday evening and then join us on Saturday at one of our several participating campuses on the second day. Plus, our staff is planning lunch and coffee to keep the 
conversation going after the event. So please come. God has something for you. I just know it. But if you're too far from a campus to gather or unable to join us in person on Saturday, please know you can also register through Kensington to participate in both days virtually. You'll save a little by registering with us. Details and registration at kensingtonchurch.org women. Let's return now to our service. I have really loved these short animated stories our team has drawn and narrated. It's so cool how these stories Jesus told in the Bible have lessons that still apply to our lives today. So thanks for joining us. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to Kensington. Whether you're here in person or joining us online, we are so glad that you are here with us. My name is Stephen Tomzik. I am the student ministries director here at Clinton Township campus. And hello, I'm David Sellers, and I'm the associate student ministries director. Associate to the student ministries director. <laughs> Ignore him. <laughs> You're fired. <laughs> well, anyways, the student ministries team is taking over the greeting today, and we like to have fun. So how about we play a little game, and the winners get to get a Starbucks gift card. That how does sounds that sound? great. Cool. So you might idea. notice we've got some Nerf blasters here, so we oh, are yeah, going we to shoot out into the crowd, and if you return one of the Nerf balls... We don't shoot Nerf balls into the crowd. Like, I was an insurance church. That said, hey, we don't shoot the pastor. Yeah, that right, was a way better idea, Adam. Yeah, good, yeah. good. I like that. Wow, that yeah, took care of that. Yeah, that does take care of that. So like I was saying, we're going to shoot out into the crowd, and if you return one of these little foam balls to us at our student ministries desk in the lobby, we will get you a gift card. So how about that? Who wants, yeah, who wants to get it. blasted? Huh? Ooh. The Where fun are they? part. Where are they? Where are they? Man, it goes so Ooh, far. Oh, got I one. Love it. I love there it. you go. Catch it. Ah, <laughs> oh, good job. <laughs> David's a great shot. It's so Yeah, accurate. you're just aiming for the front row. That's real easy. <laughs> Way to go, right David. I got it. I got it. That was incredible. Yeah, so like I said, if you return the little foam ball to us over at Student Ministries desk, desk next to the great room. Great room doors. Great room doors. We will get you your Starbucks gift card. Wow, what a prize. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, if you didn't notice already, Student Ministries is just a good time. We are we like to have a lot of fun, and Edge and Breakaway is just one of those cool places that's built completely designed for middle school and high school students. So if you are a middle schooler or high schooler, we meet here every Sunday night in the lobby and it's a really good time. It's a great place to make friends, grow in your faith together. We got some great pictures on the screen there. Yeah, with those awesome filters because that's what you do in student ministry, you get a good filter. But yeah, if you haven't checked us out yet, please come see us, it's a, it's a great time. Also, like Sarah said in the video, we have one of our coolest, most exciting events coming up, Takeover. This is our all-night event where we take all of our middle schoolers to the Legacy Center out in Orion. And that place is so fun and huge. They got like go-karts, a trampoline park, and laser tag. It is going to be so awesome. And not only is it a great opportunity for you to bring your middle schooler to the Takeover event, but to have them bring their friends because yeah. we just fill the night with so much excitement and fun, like it's, it's a great opportunity. Absolutely, it's one yeah. of the best things we do all year by far. Um, also, the last few weeks, you may have heard us talking about some opportunities where you can volunteer here at Kensington. Well, we wanted to share a opportunity that is one of our personal favorite ways to volunteer, and that is being a small group leader for Edge or Breakaway. Now, if you don't like getting hit in the head with a dodgeball every now and then, this probably isn't the job for you. But if you ever thought you might want to use your gifts to pour in the lives of students, this is just a, an awesome opportunity. So if that interests you, please come see us. We'd love to talk more about that with you. Absolutely. And also, there are so many amazing ways to stay connected with Kensington Church and learn about all the things that we're doing on Sundays and throughout the weeks. And that's by following us online. We have a Facebook, an Instagram, a YouTube, and uh, we don't have a Twitter, do we? Why is, is it a MySpace? No, I, I, we have a Twitter. It's oh, a we have an app. That's what it is, <laughs> the app. Uh, so those are just a bunch of different great ways for you to stay connected to what we're doing at Kensington. Don't we have something too? Student oh, yeah, ministries? yeah. We have the Student Ministries Instagram. <laughs> it's 
kcstudents.ct. And if you want to see two pictures of some of the best mullets to ever exist, go check that out right now. And that's at kcstudents.ct. And true. disclaimer, it's, it might be me and Steve it might be with, our with mullets. the mullets. Yeah, yeah. But while, while we're all being honest and vulnerable, raise your hand if you've ever had a mullet. I want to see how many Don't people have ever come had on, a mullet. Come on. Wow. Quite a few of you. Yes. I, I figured there'd be a few. This is Clinton Township. True. It's <laughs> East Side represent. That's how we roll. Represent. <laughs> As always, if you have any questions about anything we've talked about uh, or any of the other opportunities going on here at Kensington, go check out the hub in the lobby. And like we said before, for anything students, we have our student ministry desk out by the great room door. We'd love to come say hi to you if you check us out. And remember, if, you, if we blasted you with a Nerf gun today, Bring it over there and redeem your prize. Absolutely. Well, hey, we are starting the final week of our series, The Power of a Story, where we've been looking at the parables of Jesus and what he shared with his followers. This week, we're going to be talking about the kingdom of God and what it is that really should have value in our lives. But before we jump into that, why don't you stand up and say hello to someone around you? So I don't know if any of you work for an employment or temp agency, but there are going to be two guys coming your way this week. So, yeah. <laughs> hey, good morning. It's good to see you here with us today. You know, I was thinking about, I was listening to that first song, that, that line through, I think it's the chorus. I'm not good with bridges and choruses, but where they talk about following your feet, right? And it feels like a lot of times that's just kind of what life is like, right? We just aimlessly wander about. And in the music, they talked about the high road right, and the low road, and it seems that regardless of which path you take, it kind of doesn't make a big difference, and I think most of us would say we've seen that, we've experienced, right, you work hard, and, and you do the right things, and you're on that high road, but you see somebody else do the exact opposite, but they are much further down uh, the plane or the avenue that life is in the way that we would want to be, and it makes us wonder, why am I doing it this way? Right? Why am I acting like this? Why am I even caring this much about it? Well, see, Jesus understood that as well. And I think that we have too much of an earthly mindset sometimes. And that's what's communicated in this song. But today we're going to look at a parable where Jesus kind of takes that idea and he turns it on his head. See, because what we do is we look at certain things and we assign a value to them based on what we uh, either enjoy or what we think is worthwhile. But Jesus in this journey of life and when he came, came to communicate something else to us. And today, as we look at the parable, we're going to get to see what Jesus thought was of incredible value. So I'm excited for you to be here with us. But before we do anything else, I'd like to take a moment and receive this morning's offering. First, let me say, if you're a guest or you're new here with us, we don't want you to feel like you're obligated to give or you have to participate in this. But for those of you that serve, that jump in on mission and give, first, let me say thank you. We couldn't do any of this with Without you, I said it midweek, um, and I'll tell the rest of you. Last week, I was able to help pack lunch for a group of people who were at the warming center, who were homeless, where food isn't always a definitive thing. And the reason we could do this and pack like a legit lunch with a big sandwich, lots of uh, of good things like fruit and veggies, but also some fun things like snacks or hand warmers for these people, is because of those of you that jump on mission with us. And once we meet that practical need, it's amazing how we're then able to speak into somebody's life with. The the, the biggest message of hope. So really, for those of you that are with us, thank you so much. And if you want to give today, you can drop your gift on as the box as you exit the auditorium. We've got an app, a website, or you can also text the number on the screen to give as well. So today's this last, uh, last um, what are we doing here? A message. <laughs> See, if you step in it, just laugh with everybody. It's so much better. We're in this last message on the uh, power of a story. And today, we're going to look at a parable that Jesus told about a kingdom and about a kingdom that's worth so much and what somebody should do when they see that kingdom for all it is. So let's go ahead, take some time and watch this together. It was early in the morning. The gold and pink rays of the rising sun filled the sky as a man put on his coat, grabbed his pack, and closed the door behind him. 
Walking through the misty morning chill, he could hear the birds begin to sing as the whole earth was waking up. Over hills, through dense trees, and into the woods he walked, until he came upon a clearing nestled between the mountains. At the sight of the field, the man stopped. Filled with every wildflower, the ground was a rainbow of color. The man dropped his pack and made his way to the center of the field, filled with wonder over God's creation. He was admiring his surroundings when he tripped, and he looked down to see a mound of dirt at his feet. It looked as though something had been buried there, and so filled with curiosity, the man knelt down and with his hands began to dig. Deeper and deeper into the earth, the man removed the dirt until he felt something solid beneath his hands. Working quickly, he soon discovered a large wooden chest. With effort, the man uncovered the chest and hoisted the great box out of the hole. The box was locked, and so the man found a large rock and began to hit the lock until it finally broke. With great anticipation, the man removed the lock and opened the chest. His eyes widened as he looked inside and saw the most glorious display of riches imaginable. His eyes filled with tears as he cried out in joy, How could this be? The man quickly closed the box of treasure. He placed it back into the ground and covered the hole. And then running as fast as his legs would allow, he raced over the hills and through the forest until he made his way into town. There, he immediately sold all of his possessions and his home, and with the money went and purchased the field. As he left the town, his heart was light and full, for he knew the great and wondrous gift that was waiting for him. Pretty cool story. I would be lying if I didn't say this was in some ways a dream of mine, right? Yeah, I know you laughers, you can relate too. But see, here's the thing. We're going to get into Jesus is going to communicate this parable to the people around him to let them know that this isn't a dream. This is a reality that Jesus wants to walk every single one of us into. And it's not built around the treasure that was in the chest, but it's something else. And that's what we're going to get into. But before that, I want to tell you a story about growing up as a kid with my older brother. Um, my parents sent us a couple of times to like fun summer camp where you have the swimming and the sports and all that. Anybody go to summer camp as a kid? Shout out the name of your camp. Oh, cool. Anybody got a cooler name? Stapleton. Stapleton. I don't know if that's cooler, but I like your energy. So I went to Penwood, not really a cool name, but I went to Penwood with my older brother. And uh, one of my experiences at camp was at the end of the day, uh, they had a snack bar and your parents could put money in like an account in essence, which uh, was probably just a piece of paper and they would mark off and you could buy like treats and snacks or other junk food goodies throughout the week. And the other thing they had is a couple of things that weren't really snack food, but one of them was baseball cards, right? Now, I like baseball cards, but my older brother loved baseball cards. Does anybody remember, like, Top Deck? Or, yeah. Like, so for Christmas, if you got a Top Deck pack, it was this rectangular box that was full of cards. And then my older brother was really into it. He would get this thing called a photo album. And I know for some of you generationally, you have no idea what I'm talking about. But just Google that and you'll see it. And you could slide your cards into this photo album to display it better. Well, as such, my brother saw these cards and there's something that he wanted. Now, me, I'm much more practical. I didn't really care as much about the cards. I wanted the junk food, right? But Barry loved him, so he spent a lot of money on these cards. Shout out to Barry if you're watching this. I'm a little bitter about this story. But so halfway through the week, my brother comes up to me in line. He's probably 11. I'm like nine. And I feel like I don't remember this exactly, but he put his arm around me because he wanted something from me at this point. He's like, hey, Adam, I need you to buy me some junk food. I'm like, buy you junk food? We have the same parent, right? Like they gave you just as much money in your account as me. Yeah, you're giggling because you've probably had your siblings do something like this to you as well. Um, but he says, I can't. I spent all my money on cars, right? So for the rest of the week, Barry got me to buy him junk food because I felt bad for him because he spent all his money on cards. But you see, where I practically like the food, Barry saw something else in the cards, 
Barry saw that there was a potential value in them. Like in the 90s, trading cards were big. And for a dollar pack, he knew that there was a good chance he could get a five, seven, or even a $10 card, which to us adults seems pretty insignificant. But to a nine and 11 year old, like you felt like you just hit it, right? If you pull out Ricky Henderson or Bobby Bonilla, David Justice, and it's like $8 worth, right? So Barry assumed these value to her, and as such, he was looking to receive something better. And I'm not totally sure how it worked out for him. Actually, that's not true. I know exactly how it worked out for him, because he got all the cards, and he got me to buy him junk food. So yeah, it worked out great for Barry, but what Barry came to understand is buying these cards was something that was potentially more valuable, and he let a temporary joy go because he saw something else. He saw something else that other than a Reese's or a bag of chips or a can of pop in that moment would potentially have a greater value. And as such, he invested what he had in that thing because he was looking to something better. And that's what this parable is about today. Today we're going to be talking about this topic as it relates to God's kingdom. And if you were here last week, you heard Drew, who's the leader of our 18 to 29 uh, group, give a message where he talked about how when Jesus came, he wanted to repackage what people thought of God. You see, I think a lot of us have this idea of God that he's, he, he's kind of a big figure in the sky, maybe a white beard, which I don't, I mean, I've been there. I don't think that's it. And those things are pretty harmless in some ways. But I think we have some other ideas about who God is that can be harmful to us. And it's not what God intends for us to know about him. Right? We think he's judgy. We think he's angry. We think he's up there shaking his finger at us and wagging it at us because like we've done something wrong. We've stepped outside of this will, this box that we're supposed to sit in. And in doing that, we've disappointed him. And yeah, maybe we've asked for forgiveness, but like uh, still not so sure. The reason I say that is because that's my experience. See, my experience was I know God loved me, but I also thought when I did something wrong, he was pretty angry with me. And even though I might have asked for forgiveness, it wasn't like something that was given instantly that I had to work harder to attain that, which is in direct contradiction to what the truth of the Bible is. And there's a problem with that. You see, if we have the wrong view of God, it's going to alter our relationship with him, right? Like, if you have a view of God where you think he's judgy and he's angry, the way that we approach him is going to be tainted by that. Now, in the same breath, if you think God loves you, if you think that he died for you, if you think, if I think that he died for me and he's understanding and when I sin, when I've stepped outside of the boundaries that he's set for me, he's there with his arms open wide coming back and he wants to give me a hug and bring me back into that relationship. It's going to dramatically affect the way I view him, the way I approach him and the way I talk to him. And see, so what Jesus came, even in these ancient times, people had a wrong view of who God was. Because of that, Jesus came, and one of the reasons is he wanted to reestablish who it was God had said he was. And again, this isn't coming from Adam. This is coming from what God says in his word. A few weeks ago, Craig was up here, and he said, if you want to know who God is, look at Jesus. So if you want to know who God is, grab your Bible and go to some of the red letters and start to read about the interactions Jesus had with people. See, when you see Jesus interact with the quote-unquote sinners of the day, it's not that judgy, heavy, mean, angry God. It's different. It's somebody that loves him. You want to know Jesus was mad? is when the Bible teachers of the day got out of line. That's when he got angry. It wasn't at the person that knew that they were a sinner, that knew they'd done something wrong. Not at all. And so when you want to know who God is, look at Jesus, because here's the truth. Jesus is the perfect reflection of who God is. That's what Craig said, and it's such a wonderful way to communicate the way that God looks at every single one of us. Look at the life of Jesus and see how he interacted and dealt with people, and in that moment, we get to see a picture of who it is that God is. But another one of the reasons why Jesus came was to demonstrate who God is and what he wants for us, right? But he also came to being part of that heavenly kingdom here to us on earth. See, we live in this um, broken kingdom in a way because of sin, right? And it's just like any other kingdom. In order to receive the benefit of Jesus' kingdom, we have to be subjects. But when God initially created, like what we experience now isn't what it was supposed to be. 
If you go to the beginning of your Bible, you'll read about this garden called Eden, which is something I know is familiar to a lot of us. And God set up this perfect kingdom, right, for his people whom he loved. There was no sin. There was no suffering. There was no hardship. But there was one rule, one thing that humanity wasn't supposed to do, and it was eat from a specific tree. And when God gave that regulation, it's because he loved us. He loved humanity, and he didn't want them to walk outside of that. But as happened, humanity stepped outside of that plan, and sin entered in. It entered into this kingdom. And in that moment, God could have been like, I'm done. I am out. Like, I gave you this kingdom. I set it all up. And, and you go back here and look at what you did, but the reality is that's not what he did. You see, God came and he started to reestablish another kingdom. I know that humanity broke it. I know they stepped outside of the will that I had for them. But because I love them so much, I'm going to actually build another one. And that's the thing we're looking to one day in heaven. But God didn't stop there. In sending Jesus, part of that kingdom in heaven that one day we, you will live in if you are a follower of Jesus. When God sent Jesus, Jesus came to bring bits and pieces of that kingdom for us to walk in, to help in the depths and the hardship that this broken world is that we experience. But in order to attain that, in order to get there, we've got to turn away from the thing that kind of brings us down and look to something else. And that is what that parable is all about. And to demonstrate that, Jesus told the parable about the man who finds hidden treasure so that people could understand what it was that his kingdom was like, right? Remember, Jesus is breaking down the wrong ideas, the bad conclusions that humanity has come to about who he is. I was thinking about that. I mean, we do that. Right? Have you ever thought something about a person or an organization and you base it off of a couple of things you know, maybe the gossip or even a factual thing that somebody has communicated to you and when you find out more about it, you realize that you were wrong? In uh, high school, I got to play a lot of sports. Not because I was good, um, but because we were a really small school and they needed bodies, right? So I played basketball. was one of the sports that I was able to participate in. And um, my senior year, we were playing this rival school of ours, right? And there was a kid on the team. And uh, he kind of had a reputation as being a little bit of a dirty player, right? Like if a ref wasn't looking or something wasn't happening, he'd get, he'd punch, he'd jab at you. And, and I knew him as that. But my senior year, I experienced it in a different way. We're playing a game in their gym, and he's much bigger than me. Like I'm like five, eight and a half with my boots on, right? But this guy was like 6'3", six, 6'4", six, probably had 40 to 60 pounds on me. And I remember he goes up for a rebound, and I was like trying to think again. And then I looked at him. I was like, yeah, why jump, right? And I come next to him, and he comes down with the ball, and he very smoothly but in a dirty way took his elbow and threw it right into the side of my face. And, man, I was hot. <laughs> and I looked at him like, you ain't got nothing. All while inside I was dying because I thought he broke my jaw, right? Like I'm like, oh, my gosh, this hurts so badly. But I wouldn't let him know that. Very next trip down the floor, I get in the lane. He takes the ball to the basket. I took this thing called a charge, which is where somebody knocks you over, and it's their fault, so it's a foul on them. But there's a way to take a charge that's a little bit dirty. And he brought his knee up a little higher than he had to. And he hit me in the other side of the face. So I fell down, got back up, did one of those three claps to let him know that he didn't have nothing. All the while, like, I literally thought my face was, like, decimated inside. Remember the guy inbounded the ball to me. I said, I think I broke my jaw. Like, I think this kid has, has killed me. Well, interesting story. A couple of years later, that kid is at my parents' house for Christmas dessert. Yeah, right? How does these things work out? So apparently he was dating a friend of the family that brought him here. But you know what's so interesting? I had a mindset about who this guy was, and I based it off of what a couple of people had told me in my limited experience with him. But as we sat down and we started to chat, he was one of the best dudes I've ever met. Like, we gelled right away. We even laughed about the incidents, and he was really a great person. And see, I think that's what happens to a lot of us with God or with the Bible or with treasures and parables. We get this idea in our head, and we base it maybe off of what our friend has told us, what we learned from mom and dad, maybe even something that somebody communicated to us at church. And because of it, we have a bad idea about who God is and what he wants for, him, for us and what that kingdom even is all about. And Jesus knew that. 
So in knowing that, he decided to tell this parable in order to let people in on why it was he came and what it really meant to follow him in his kingdom. And now we're going to read about that parable in the text through the lens of Jesus. And this is what he says, Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he had and he owned to get enough money to buy the field. You see, something in this man's life changed his priorities. And it was the value of what he found in the field. Have you ever had something like that happen in your life, right? You value something and it's kind of pretty high up here for you, but another thing, another factor comes along, right? And all of a sudden, what was so important to us, what was so valuable, what we thought was so necessary for life kind of just fell by the wayside. I know for me, one of them was... um, I always wanted a dirt bike or a motorcycle as a kid growing up. And my family had an ATV, but my dad was in insurance, so he looked at everything with this risk assessment, and I would beg and beg and bother, but there was no way we were getting a dirt bike in our family. So then I did the obvious thing. As I got older, I was like, well, I'll take this into my own hands, right? And I'll get my own. Um, But I go to college, which practically it's a terrible idea to try to buy something like that because I couldn't afford it. But then as an adult, when I started working, even though I wasn't making a lot of money and I had some debt, I could have went and I could have bought this bike. I remember exactly what I wanted. It was a Suzuki um, GSXR 600, Jixer. Anybody a Jixer person in here? Yeah, that's right. Every year I would go to their company's website and I would look at the new colors and the models. One year they had a bike, it was black and gray with orange trim, a lot like Kensington orange, which I know for a lot of people isn't a pretty color, but I love Kensington orange color, right? And I wanted that bike. But something happened in my life. When I was a senior, when I got out of college that last year, my priorities started to shift and I really came to this conclusion that I wanted a family. I wanted to start to build that. I wanted to start to prepare that. And April was sitting over here in the first service. I had no idea who she was. Never met her, had no idea that I would end up marrying a Canadian that actually lives only about an hour and a half from where we reside right now. But I knew that my priorities were different. And as such, rather than save for a motorcycle, I started saving for one of those little things that you put on this finger. Because... Yeah, I was going to have April stand up and, you know, show where my motorcycle sits, but I didn't want people to inappropriately think she was giving them a different finger and it could have been bad. I'd been called into offices, right? But see, my priority changed. I started to be more concerned with what was coming because I understood that for me, that held a much higher value than the thing that I had put so much emphasis and time or thought behind at least. And that's what Jesus is doing here with this parable. He goes to the audience. He's like, this is what I want you to understand. This kingdom that I am coming to bring has more value than anything that you've ever known and begin to understood. I think that's why he uses the idea of treasure. Because, and this is me personally, like I wasn't joking when I said this is a dream of mine. All of us can look at something like that and say, I get it. It was worth 10, 20, 30, infinitely more times than what the man had. So I understand why he sold everything. What what he used to think was a priority was nothing in comparison to this chest that was hidden out in the field. And that's what he wanted his audience to understand. The chest represented his kingdom. All of his emotions and his affections towards each and every one of us, the desires that he has, what he wants to invite all of us into was represented in that chest of gold. And what Jesus was communicating to the audience is this, everything that you thought was valuable, everything we look at and think it is important and necessary and essential in life is nothing when you compare it to what it is that I have for you. When you understand what the kingdom of God is and the invitation that God, that Jesus, the Holy Spirit give to us and they're inviting us into, the rest of life will just not seem to be as important as this new thing that he has for us. This is what Jesus wanted his audience to know. And I think it's a lesson that's just as applicable for us now as it was back then. And it's this, the kingdom of God is a treasure to with which nothing can compare. And I know that I say that and to be truthful, like I've not always felt that. 
I don't even feel that all the time in my moment, moment, day to day. And I'm assuming a lot of us can relate. But when I stop and I slow down and I listen for Jesus, this is a truth that he speaks to me. And not only does it come out to be an actual fact, but when we walk in this, when we begin to understand it, when we trust Jesus, he wants to change our lives in a crazy way. And if we allow him to, he will move us to a place where not only do we believe this, but we'll wonder how we ever could have lived in any other such manner. See, what the kingdom of God is really about is this. God loves us. Like, I know that word can be tainted for a lot of people based, again, on past interactions and experience. But the love that God has for us is genuine. It's not a love where he is a king, looks for what he can get for his citizens. You see, when Jesus came, this idea of the kingdom, he's taking what you and I understand to be, and he's flipping it upside down on its head. Because our experience, whether we're looking at history or personally with tyrannical governments now, or even our political leaders on both sides of the aisle is this. They look at the citizens and many of them view us as something that's a means to an end. And it's to benefit them. It's to increase their value. It's to increase their wealth. It's so that they can receive power. And because of that, when we hear of the king or the leader coming, we don't necessarily have the same idea or mindset that Jesus is talking about here. But what he's come to say is, I'm delivering something else. It's a kingdom where the king of kings came not to receive from his subjects, but in order that he could serve them. When Jesus was born, it was one of the most poor known things that a person could go through in that time. He, he was born to a poor family. He lived most of his adult life probably as homeless, doing bottom-end, low-end labor to make a living, like Jesus knew. And the reason that he did that is because so that he could serve these men. These men and these women that would follow him. And in serving them, he wanted them to understand that's what his kingdom was about. And then they would take that message and they would take it to the world. That it's not about receiving from others, but living in such a way where those priorities that we once had are no longer quite as important to us. Because we see what it is that he's doing. We see the benefit from that. And it changes us in such a way that we probably honestly will struggle in moments. But when we really sit down and think about it, won't want to go back to what it was before. So when Jesus invites humanity to be part of his kingdom, <laughs> it's an invitation into the best kind. You see, here's the thing. Most kings, most rulers, most people of authority will force all of us as subjects under their rule. You don't do it? Jail. Punishment. Fine. Some type of negative reinforcement. But that's not what it's like in God's kingdom. See, God's kingdom is the best kind, but he will never make any one of us forcibly enter it. He extends his hand, absolutely. He offers it to us. Does he think it's the best kind of life? No doubt. But he will never force a person to be a subject underneath his rule and underneath his kingdom. It is always an invitation. And I was thinking, what verse in the Bible could I give that would communicate that in its entirety? And I couldn't come up with one, but I narrowed it down to two. And I think there are dozens, if not hundreds of verses that communicate the depth and the height and with everything inside, how much Jesus loves us and the action that draw him to. But there's two of them that I want to share with him. One's going to be very familiar to you, um, to some of you, I should say. And this is from the uh, NLT. It's called the New Living Translation. I say that because I just love the way it translates this verse. It's John 3.16, and this is what it says. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Do you know what that is? It's a promise that God is building another kingdom like the first one for us. Like, yeah, the garden got messed up, but God said, I'm not stopping. Actually, what I am going to do is rebuild that kingdom that's perfect, that has no brokenness, no suffering, no shame, no doubt, whatever it is. And he invites every single one of us to follow him in that kingdom. And if that was it, it would be great. Like, it would be enough if that was the only thing he did. And, but the reason that I picked another verse is because that's not where it stops. 
You see, God knew the brokenness of this world and rather saying, suck it up, get through it until heaven. He said, no, even here, even in this time, in the brokenness of this world that we all experience, he waded into that mess to help us through. So the second verse I have speaks to that. It comes from John chapter 10, verse 10, second part of the verse. And this is what it says. Jesus speaking. He says, I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. You see, Jesus didn't only come so we could one day live with him in heaven with all the rights and privileges of his established kingdom in, in, the, in its effect, in its full effect. He also came for the here and now. That in the brokenness of this world that every single one of us has to navigate with sickness and cancer and loss of jobs and things, shootings happening in school that shouldn't. He said, I'm going to be there. I'm going to wade into that mess and whatever it is that you have to deal with, I will not abandon you. I will not leave your to yourselves. I want to be there and I want to help you. And in doing that, he's inviting us into this kingdom, not just so we can be with him one day in heaven, which would be enough. But so here and now in the struggle that we can have someone to help us in what's going on. I'll be sure. I also want to be a little honest for a second. You know, you read that verse and says, have life to the full. <laughs> I'm not even completely sure what that means in its entirety. Like I read some concordance and different things, and I think people have some great ideas. But I think part of it and the best part of this is we don't even fully know what Jesus wants to walk us into. I know that I'll never be there at the end of this life, but I think it's a promise where he's saying, listen, it's never going to stop. Will there be moments where it's hard? Absolutely. Are there going to be times where you want to give up and you sit there and you scream and you cry and you say, where are you, God? For sure. But in those moments, this is what I've come to understand from, again, people a lot smarter than me, a lot more uh, wise than me and helping me in this journey is even in those moments where God, it seems like it is silent. He's right there. He's watching over every single one of us and his invitation to us is be part of my kingdom. Be part of my kingdom. Follow me, not for my benefit, but because it's for yours. That is the thing that Jesus, that God is inviting us into in this parable, in this story. And the reason I feel like I can say that is I lived most of my Christian life having no idea what the kingdom was about. No understanding of this thing that God wanted me to walk through. But in the past three or four years, again, through some help of people much better than me, I've started to realize what it is. And is it easy? No. See, I'm not going to make a promise that being a Christian, following Jesus, that subjecting yourself to being a follower of his kingdom is always going to make life easier. But this is what I do know. It will always be better. Sometimes the simplest things, and we all know this, aren't the things that are always easy. But they are always better. You see, there is a deeper level of intimacy that Jesus wants to invite us into. It's an invitation that he extends to every single person who has ever walked this earth. But in order to receive that invitation, there is something that we have to do. Um, and I'll get to that in a second. I think a lot of us have this I'm going to call it a test understanding of Jesus, right? And what I mean by that is we know a lot about him. Right? Like if we took a Bible quiz, we might know lots of things. We could get an A. And even for those of you that maybe aren't sold out to Jesus, you've heard some things like son of God, right? Like never sinned. And we have this basic understanding of who he is. But we've never come to this place where we've experienced any of that that's actually changed us or transformed transformed us in the way that he wants to. But what Jesus is saying is this parable is he wants to walk every single one of us through that. We put a lot of weight and time here in the church around this idea of turning for our sin. And listen, we're in, I think that there's wisdom in that. There's such prudence in that. But there's also something else God wants us to do. You see, it's not just turning away from the old life and being done with that. We see that in the parable, right? But it's also turning towards something else. 
You see, there's this nuanced way of looking at repentance that I think the authors that Jesus are talking about here, and what it is, is shifting away from one thing, the thing that we used to think was important, the thing that we used to thought think was a priority, and changing our mindset and looking towards something else. And what Jesus is saying, that thing is my kingdom. It's what I came to bring. I love you so much that this is what I did. And remember, it's not a king in the way that we think of a king. It's a king who's actually come to serve us and to give us a life here and now where regardless of your situation, regardless of the circumstance that we find ourselves in, we will be able to have joy and contentment. And I, you hear that and you think there's no way, but I'm telling you, you, you read these testimonies of people that have done these things and they talk about how in the midst of their most horrible circumstances, it was hard and it was a struggle and they didn't understand. But when they come full circle, they understand that Jesus was right there with them, walking alongside of them, continuously inviting them to stay in this kingdom with him. And I think that we all have one role to play in that. I am convinced beyond anything of this next thing. Because, um, you see, I think that I can't change my heart. I would love to, and I can come up with a good plan or a good system. But in my own ability, I've got no way that I can change my heart. But Jesus can. So the question is, is what role do we then have to play? And this is what I think it is. And the reason I think it is because it comes from James chapter 4, 8, is that we put in the effort. We put in the effort to pursuing the relationship with Jesus because this is what I understand from what God says in his word. James 4, 8 says, if we come close to God, if we draw close to him, he will come close to us. And the way that I interpret that verse is this, if we put in effort, if we try to get near to God by pursuing a relationship with him, by forgetting about the test knowledge, the, the things that we understood about him in the Bible, but we actually try to experience who he is and pursue a relationship with him, he will come through in a big way and he will teach us what it means to live in the kingdom and be able to deal with life even when our circumstances dictate. There is no way practically we should be able to do that. See, I think this is hard for us because for a lot of us, even if we've been walking with Jesus for a long time, we have a wrong perception of who God is. And I feel like I'm entitled to say that because you're looking at one of the biggest offenders. Got saved, I thought, when I was seven. Just prayed a prayer, had no idea. Came to this understanding then when I was 19, but still lived the next decade or more like with this information knowledge of who God was. And I was missing so much. But the great thing about it is when I understood it was about a relationship that Jesus led me into is when things started to change in my life. You see, knowing a ton about Jesus is awesome. Knowing why he came and why he lived and all of those things are practically a really big deal in this context. But having a relationship with him is so much more important. And I think when we see this parable... That's what Jesus is saying. You see, the kingdom is of such value, and the kingdom encompasses kind of everything that Jesus came to bring and why he was here. And he's saying, I'm inviting you into this, not for my benefit, but because I love you. And one day I want to bring you into the fullness of my kingdom, and that's what heaven is. But until that day, here and now, I will walk with every single person. I will be a part of your life to help you to help me when life dictates that we should not be okay with the circumstances that we are in. That is what the kingdom of God is about, and that is why it's a treasure that holds more value than anything else this life could offer us. I have a chocolate gold coin here in my hand. I say chocolate gold because I don't want anybody to get excited and rush me for it. <laughs> and as you exit the auditorium at every spot here, here, and here, there is a box that looks like a treasure. And in it, you'll find a bunch of these. And what I would like for all of us to do is take one of these from that box and bring it home. Because I think practically, if we look at this, it will help us. And this is what I mean. I can know a lot about this chocolate gold coin. 
It's got the insignia of one of our presidents on it. It says liberty on this side, has the, the, the eagle, the American kind of symbol on it. I, I can know that the foil is made with yellow dye number 4607 and that inside of it is chocolate, which is made from the cocoa bean. And cocoa is pretty bland by itself. But when you add milk and sugar and other ingredients, it makes this wonderful treat that I enjoy very much, right? I can know everything about this piece of chocolate. But if I haven't tasted it, I've never experienced it. You see, I think what I just described about this little piece of candy is also true about Jesus and his kingdom. I went to church my whole life, had no idea what this is about. Maybe you are brand new to church and what I'm here to just communicate is God's kingdom. He's inviting us in the best kind of way. This is what he wants for every single one of us. Um, many of you have heard of King David. He was one of the most famous men in scripture. The Bible says he was a man after God's own heart. And there's this moment where he's running from the current king because he's after his life. Not because he's ever done anything to him. Because he's jealous. And while David is running, he understood this. He actually wrote about it in Psalm 34, 8. And this is what David says. In the midst of his most difficult circumstance, the most hard thing probably he ever had to deal with, David said this. Taste and see that the Lord is good. So as you grab a coin and you leave, I want you to look at it this week. And every time you see it, I want you to just, just talk to God. I know sometimes we say pray and that can be intimidating, but all prayer is is talking to God, God the way you would greet me in the lobby. Jesus, Adam told me quite a bit about this coin, and that sounds great, but that's not been my experience. If this is true, I want you to show me. Something like that. You pray for a couple of days. This is my challenge, encouragement to you. And then after you've prayed that, I want you to take the coin I want you to open it. What I want you to do is take a bite. And as you take a bite, be real with God. I know a lot about you, or I've heard somebody say a lot about you, but I have never experienced you. I want what's in that kingdom. I would love for everything to not mean anything to me in order to follow you, but I'm not sure it's true. So if it is, you show me. And as you eat that coin, you pray that prayer. And then I'd encourage you to pray it a few more times. And this is what I believe. James 4, 8, if we put in the effort, we pursue God, he'll show us what his kingdom's all about. He'll move closer to us in such a way that we never thought was possible. And we will experience Jesus and everything he came to bring in a way that we didn't begin to believe was possible. Let's pray. Lord, I am so thankful that you were patient with me because this has not been what most of my life was about. But in that, through my performance and my desire to figure it out on my own, you came and you met me. And I am so thankful for that. I pray that for every person here, whatever their perceived notion of you is, be it good or bad, that that would fall to the wayside this week. And as we look at our coin and we remember the treasure and we taste the chocolate, that you would show us the depths of who you are, how much you love us, and this invitation to be part of your kingdom. And as such, it will change our lives in a way that we didn't think was possible. I praise you and I put it all in the name of Jesus' hands, who I ask in his name. Amen.
Thank you, Jesus, that you are the King of kings. And as Adam was saying, we have access to your kingdom today, not just in heaven, but right now, Lord. And I pray that during this next song that we would just ask you, Lord, to, to show us what that's about. Show us what your kingdom is about here in our situations and in our daily lives, Lord. I invite you to stand if you're not already standing, but it looks like most of you are. So.
church, build it from the ground up. It's your church, build your church, build your church, build it from the ground up. We're your church, build your church, build your church, build it from the ground up. It's your church, build your church, build your church, build it from the ground up. One of my favorite things about that song is, is this isn't like a hope or a request. This is what God communicates. Like he is going to build his church. Like the truth is we know how the story ends. Jesus wins and he's building a kingdom that he wants to invite every single one of us into. Listen, he doesn't need me. He doesn't need me up here doing any of this. And I have no idea why with as broken and as messed up as I can be, he invites me into that. I mean, yesterday I had a fight with my wife over towels. I know you all got your fights over towels. But listen, we talked about this Wednesday night. Like God has such a special plan for every single person in this room. Ephesians 2.10 tells us that there are moments God has preordained for each and every one of us to walk through that nobody else can. He has made you special. He has made you beautiful. Don't listen to a lie. Don't listen to anyone that says anything else. God looks at every single one of us and he sees value and potential. And the only thing we have to do is walk towards him and he will come through and show us how to do that. So my hope is that you'll grab your coin and you'll take some time this week and you'll pray about what it looks like for you to walk into God's kingdom in a new way. I'm gonna pray what it looks like for me to continue to walk in this kingdom because what I know is he's just not done. And he wants to keep working because he's building a kingdom that he's inviting every single one of us into. Listen, if you've heard that and you're like, I'd like to speak with somebody about it, our prayer team's gonna be down at the front. Maybe you need somebody to pray for you because the only thing you've ever heard is lies and trash about who you are not. But today I'm telling every single one of us, God looks at us and he says, this is who you are. If you follow Jesus, you're a child of his. And even if you're not to that point, He's inviting us into that relationship. And maybe you're still not sure about who this Jesus is and you're not ready to come down. I would encourage you to still take a coin and come back and hang out with us a few more times. Because see, we believe this is the greatest message ever told and we just want to invite you into that with us. So if you need somebody to pray for you, come on down front. We're gonna have some folks here that would love to meet you and have a conversation with you. If not, grab your coin, have a really great week and hopefully we will see you back here next Sunday. Thanks for coming, everybody. You've been listening to the Kensington Church Podcast. 
If you've enjoyed this recording, check back weekly for new content. You can find Kensington on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and of course, at kensingtonchurch.org.